So today we are going to be speaking about uh, Vayigash, the week portion of Vayigash, which is about Yehuda and Joseph still. And we spoke about that last week. And uh, we spoke about the idea of faith, being strong and having faith. So let me just give you a little summary of this week's Torah portion and then take you through some of the, the, the topic of tonight, which is connecting the dots. Connecting the dots in your life is a mitzvah in the Torah. That's a crazy thought. But saying that things is not just a coincidence is actually a commandment according to some in the Torah especially according to Rabbeinu Yonah, and teaching uh, an idea that's given over by Rabbi Miller, Rabbi Vigdo Miller. And he has some amazing teachings on the Torah portion, and I'm giving over word for word, basically, what he teaches. Uh, he wa- He's not alive today anymore, um, but a very big rabbi nonetheless. And he teaches an amazing idea called uh, how we are meant to be always trying to be connecting the dots between events in our lives. And that's what I want to do. I want to just make a study today on how we uh, can start connecting our dots of all the things that happened to our life and see how everything was really there for a reason. So if you look at the Torah with Joseph, he was the first Baruch Hashem dude. You know Baruch Hashem dudes? People that you like, you say, how are you? And it's like, Baruch Hashem, Hashem. Everything you say is Hashem. Shem Hashem, Shkura B'piv. The name of God was always in his mouth. It's amazing. It's Hashem. One of those. And that actually started with, already last week, when uh, Joseph has uh, is taken out of the prison. And he comes to Pharaoh. And he says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh says to him, all along, by the way, all along, you, sp- you see the story of Joseph. You see that he keeps mentioning God. So he gets taken out of the the uh, prison, and he gets finally to meet Pharaoh. Pharaoh meets with him. And what does Pharaoh say? I heard you can interpret dreams. I heard that you have the power to interpret dreams. So he says, yes, uh, but it's not me. It's God. Elohim, he says. And then throughout the story, you see, he keeps saying that. He says, it's not me. It's not me. It's Hashem. So he was the ultimate person. And eventually, Pharaoh says, okay, wait. Pharaoh says, this guy is unbelievable. Have we ever seen a person like this who has God always in his mouth? So again, you see that uh, Pharaoh appoints Yosef as the leader of the people because he keeps having the name of Hashem in his mouth. And that was an influence that was like a wow about this person. He constantly says, it's Hashem, it's Hashem. So what is with that? What's the strength that he had in always saying, it's Hashem, it's Hashem. What does that mean? So last week we spoke about how Joseph left from rags and came to riches. I just want you to understand, can you imagine some homeless guy in Skid Row? I mean, don't. But imagine uh, Simona's guy in Skid Row and um, take him out of that place, right? God forbid no one should ever know what it means to be in a challenging place like that. But take him out of that place, let's say. And let's say we dress him up, we cut his hair, we fix his teeth, and he eventually becomes the president of the United States. 
wouldn't that be the story of the world? Wouldn't that be like the greatest story ever? Someone who comes from the dirt, from the rags. Hey, welcome, Jonathan. Wouldn't that be the greatest story? Someone from Skid Row getting pulled out, shaved his hair, cleaned his teeth, and he comes the president of the United States. It would be the most amazing thing. I mean, how did he do it? How did he leave such a crazy world and enter another crazy world, honestly? But how did he do it? From rags to riches. It would be the most amazing story. Well, that's what happened with Yosef. He was in the worst prison that you can imagine, taken out from there and placed in the highest position that you can imagine. Now, most people would look at the story of Joseph and say, okay, it's just a coincidence. It's all a coincidence. Well, that's for the people that don't think or don't want to think. We just go through life with motions of life and we say, oh, yeah, I met the right guy at the right time for the right... For because it happened to be. I was lucky. But that's the foolish way of thinking. It's not the successful way of, li- of thinking. And this is what we're going to be speaking tonight. How we can think right and come successful with this way of thinking. That nothing happens for no reason. Now, this is part of the belief in Hashem, right? The belief in God means that there's an infinite being. That's what Jews believe. It's not just a a person it's an infinite being one of the faiths in Judaism is he doesn't have a body and even evolutionists don't believe that once the world came to be it works in a in a form of randomness maybe it came to be originally in a way of randomness but now it's all in order it's in absolute order the whole world if anything in the ecosystem is slightly off the whole the whole world is completely uh, affected by it and completely. The, the, the whole concept of evolution means that things are, there's a pattern and there's, there's a direction of how things are going to evolve. So even those that are you know, evolutionists today, they believe that everything is so fine-tuned and done in a way that uh, maybe started off with randomness but is not randomness anymore. So... We believe that the world, yes, is fine-tuned and it's exactly perfectly done. Everything, the, the amount of oxygen that we have, the amount of wind, the, the, uh, the way that the trees release the oxygen perfectly for us, everything to the T is perfect. And if it was slightly off, we wouldn't be able to survive. We, we believe that. But we also believe that the way that events happened in this world are also like that. As much as the physical world is perfectly fine-tuned, the events that happen in our lives are also perfectly fine-tuned. There's no such thing. That's called Hashkecha Pratit, which means divine providence. There's divine uh, involvement in creation. What we come up with as the Jewish people is divine providence as well. There's two parts into the main parts to the belief of Hashem. One is that He's an infinite being that's involved in everything. It's all this oneness. We're all intertwined with each other, right? That's the oneness of God. We all come from this oneness. There's, there's the ocean, there's the fish, there's the, but we're all part of this one system. And we can learn from one to the other. We can apply from one to the other. If, if this works that way, then it must be that this is affected by it. And this is a, everything's intertwined. 
That's why science is able to discover things. Part of the idea of science is that there's a pattern. And if this happens this way, it's going to happen that way. And there's a probability. That's how we, just, that's how we can predict what's going to happen in the future. So the same way that there's this oneness, this unity, that's the echad, the oneness of the entire world, there's also a oneness of events. That every event that happens is perfectly fine-tuned. I'll give you an example. You wake up late one morning, an hour late. Because you woke up late, you uh, waited for the bus and you know you couldn't get the regular ride, whatever it is, let's say. You get on the bus and you get to work. It's You're literally terribly late. It's ridiculous. You come into the office and your boss, let's say, let's say, uh, tells you, uh, okay, nice to see you, great, have a great morning. You say, don't worry, I know I'm late, but I'll be an extra hour in work, so I'll stop, I'll, I'll do my lunch an hour later. So you do your lunch an hour later, and because of that, you happen to walk into the restaurant the same time as your great friend walks into the restaurant that you've not seen for five years. Why did you meet that friend? Not because it was a coincidence, you met that friend that you didn't see for five years because you woke up late. And you woke up late, which caused you to get on the bus late, to get into the job late, to commit that commitment that you felt inside you, to be another hour late and say, okay, you know what? I'll start lunch at 1.30 instead of 12.30. That hour late that you went to lunch also made you meet this person exactly at the right time that he was meant to be there. Now, how come he was there at 1.30? That's another whole story. <laughs> He's there at one thirty because his uh, Uber broke down, and it broke down nearby. And he's like, "Oh, you know what? I used to come here back in the day five years ago when I used to live in this area. I, I used to like that restaurant, so I'll go to that restaurant." Now, why did he go to that restaurant? Why did he like that restaurant? Because he loves the owner, who's a good friend of his. So everything worked out. Now, also, why did the first guy wake up late that morning? He woke up late that morning because the night before. He went to bed late. And he went to bed late because he was having crazy dreams. So, like Everything is falling into place. You see how there's no such thing as events that are separated from each other, that they have two different forces. That's the antithesis of our faith in God. Our belief in Hashem means that all events are fine-tuned as much as all of physical reality is fine-tuned. The same way that the whole physical world is fine-tuned, perfectly done in a way that if anything is slightly, slightly missing, it would all be destroyed. So too with the spiritual world, if any of it is slightly off, if, if any of the events are slightly... It, all the events that happen to you and to your friend work perfectly in sync, which are specially done for that reason. And that's, that's, that's the power of what Joseph taught us. Every single event that you read of Joseph, you see that he mentions God's name. It's God, it's God, it's God, it's Hashem, it's Hashem, it's Hashem. Someone hits you. Listen to this. Look at how he responds to his brothers. Eventually, he tells his brothers, Ani Yosef, You know what he did, right? He tells his brothers, go, go back and bring your brother Binyamin. I want him as well. Otherwise, you can't come back to Egypt. So his brothers agree, they go back. And they get Binyamin. Binyamin's the brother of Joseph. Joseph has only one more brother called Binyamin. And the brothers go back to Egypt and they get Binyamin. They come back. 
and with Binyamin. And now Joseph says, I want Binyamin to stay here. He's a spy. I want him to stay here. And now they start getting worried. And Yehuda Yehuda jumps up. He says, what do you mean? Why are you taking him? The idea here is that the brothers didn't fight back because they knew that maybe God's paying them back, giving them a punishment for what they did to Joseph. They didn't know that this person in front of them was Joseph. But they said, maybe he's paying us back for what we did. We threw our own brother in the pit. We decided to put him in a pit and send him to Egypt. Hashem's paying us back. So they didn't fight. The minute they saw that they were, that Binyamin's now getting captured and he's being taken as a spy, they realized, oh, 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 this is not from God anymore. Binyamin wasn't, didn't do anything wrong. Binyamin wasn't alive, uh, wasn't alive, wasn't around when they captured Joseph. He wasn't even there. It can't be that Hashem's paying us back because of Binyamin. Binyamin is nothing to do with it. For sure, it's Joseph, it's this guy who's the head of Egypt that must be here to hurt us and we've got to stop him. So that was what happened. And then Yehuda jumps up. Yehuda jumps up. He says, I'll fight you. I can destroy the entire country. He starts standing up. Yehuda is like an arrier, like a lion. These were superpowers, by the way. These brothers of Joseph, uh, of Jacob, the sons of Jacob, were all like Smallville. They were like these super-powered people. And he said, I'll take on the whole country. It was a roar. And <clears throat> Joseph eventually stands up and he says, listen, he removes all his servants from his, his, his place. And he says to his brothers, just, I am Joseph. Is my, is, my, uh, is my father still alive? And when he says, I am Joseph, they, it says that they couldn't speak. They were silent from the embarrassment of facing their brother that they threw in the pit and he's now in front of them. So they were completely embarrassed. These are the words that Joseph says, okay? I want to share with you the words that Joseph then says to his brothers to calm them down. You know, they were very uh, quiet. They were very ashamed. And Joseph says, don't, don't worry. He says to them like this, listen to the language. He says, don't be sad. Don't be angry with yourself that you sold me here can you you sold me can you imagine what an embarrassment to sell your brother and take that money sell sell a person sell your brother never mind a person your brother as a slave so he says to them don't worry don't worry don't be sad that you sold me as a slave because it all happened for a reason god sent me here it wasn't you it was god to feed us Hashem sent me to feed us, to, to keep the world alive. Because of this whole story, Joseph knew that he was able to keep the whole world alive. And then he says, uh, it's already two years where there's a famine in the land and there's going to be another five. I'm telling you, I've seen it in the dreams. And Hashem sent me here to take over the land and to uh, feed the land and to keep everyone alive. Look what he did. It's all Hashem. And then he says it again. And now, my brothers, it's not you who sent me here. It's Hashem. And he made me the leader of this country and a master of everything and a ruler of the whole land. By the way, this is how we learn the idea of, of forgiveness. How are you able to forgive? Not every case are you meant to forgive. But we're told 
that if somebody does forgive when you're not asked to, you're called a chassid, a, a pious person. If if someone hurts your feelings, Maimonides says he has to ask you forgiveness. How many times? Up to how many times? Anyone know? Give a guess. Three times. He has to ask you forgiveness up to three times. Shalosh pa'amim. After three times, he is evil for not... Uh, the one that doesn't f- forgive is evil for not forgiving. He's called a chote, a sinner. He's not called evil, he's a sinner. For not forgiving. He asked you three times for forgiveness, you're not forgiving. Joseph forgave his brothers. You don't have to forgive someone who abuses you if they continue in their way. If they do ask you for forgiveness, then we're told that you should uh, forgive. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to reconcile and be back to the original state that you were with this person. Um, I just actually gave a whole class today on forgiveness about this topic. But what we do see is that Joseph forgave his brothers. And he didn't just forgive. How did he forgive? This is what we learn. We learn how you can forgive someone. When you recognize that if someone hits you, someone's hurting you, it's not him who's hurting you. It's a messenger of God. Why him? He's a, because he's a bad person. We have a rule, which means that bad is done by bad people. So Hashem made him do bad because he's already bad. Bad is done by bad. That's a rule that God causes bad things to be done in the world by bad people that already are bad previously. So they get to do more bad things in the world. So they, they absorb all the good of their of their actions in this world. It's another whole discussion. But a bad person uh, gets to pushed to be pushed to do more bad. But uh, Joseph's here, and he sees that his brothers hit him. How do you respond to somebody who hurts you? How do you forgive somebody that hurts you? It's here. It's because when you recognize that it's not them, it's Hashem. It's not them. You know, the word for forgiveness is mechila, Right? Limchol. Do you know where that comes from? It's without without a yud. In that word, you have machala, which means sick, sickness. When somebody's not able to forgive, they have a sickness within. They come sick. It can make you crazy. The only way you can forgive is if you add yud. Yud represents Hashem and the worlds above and the understanding that there's just more. Right? So machila. Forgiveness is when you add God into the picture. If you remove God from the picture, it's hard to forgive. It's very hard because you say to yourself, wait a second, he did it. And when you recognize that, wait, there's a bigger picture here and God did it through him, you're able to forgive. I'm able to forgive, not necessarily reconcile. You get what I'm saying, right? Make sense? So Joseph's response to his brothers is fascinating. He says God's name about five times here. And he says, it's all for the best because I'm able to now feed the entire world. The whole thing makes sense. And that's exactly Joseph. So look at this. This is fascinating and this is so important. You know, in in English, to start a sentence with the word and doesn't make sense. Because the word and is a connector between a previous word, a previous sentence. You don't start a sentence with and. It's not uh, the correct grammar or punctuation or whatever it it would be. So uh, it's not correct English to start a sentence with the word and. Well, if you look at the Torah, 
besides for a very t- few Torah portions, the Torah always starts with the word Vav. Every Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is Vayigash. Last week, right? Vayihi uh, Miketz. It was at the end. Besides for the very first book of the Torah, which is Bereshit, the first section, obviously that's the beginning. No Vav. Everything else, you see Vav, 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 Vav. It's insane. Each book. So what's the second? Right, we have five books of Moses. The first book. The second book is Ve'ele Shemot B'nai Israel. These are the sons and the names of the Shemot. Exodus. That starts with the Vav. You go to the next one. Va'yikra. And he called. Va'yidaber. And he spoke. You go from one book to the next. You see Vav. You go to the book of uh, Deuteronomy, by the way. It doesn't have a Vav. Right? Because that's just a repetition. Deu means two. Deuteronomy is a, is a repetition. That's in Hebrew, it's called Mishnah Torah. The Varim is basically a repetition of the whole Torah. So the fifth book of Moses is basically a repetition of the whole Torah. It doesn't have a Vav. But if you go to the prophets and the rest of Tanakh, all starts with a Vav. You go to Yahushua, the book of Joshua. Again, it starts with a Vav. You go to Shoftim. Always it starts with a Vav. Why? Because Judaism is teaching me that everything connects to a story that happened before. That's how it works. What does a vav mean? Have you ever seen the letter vav? Right? It's a hook. It's a straight line with a little thing at the top. It's like a hook. You know how the temple, the tabernacle was built? It had hooks that would connect one to the other. And that's how they would have the tabernacle. It was called a vav. The hooks of the tabernacle were called vavim. That's how the tabernacle was held together, was with a vav. So vav literally means to connect. Like the word and is a connector, but the letter vav is actually looks like a connection, right? It's got a hook on the top. That's, what it, that's the essence of what a vav means. So when I look at the story of the entire Torah, what I'm seeing is a, a course of events to happen and every time it starts off with an and because it's a continuation of a previous event. Don't think that all that happened till now is not connected to what happens now. It's all a connection. Let's just look at Yosef and then we're going to look at ourselves, our own story in our life because this is actually a, a mitzvah in Judaism to connect the dots in your life. Joseph's story starts with Esav. It didn't start, Joseph's story didn't start when he was born. Shall I tell you when Joseph's story started? When his brother, when Jacob's brother, Yosef's father, was Jacob. He was a twin with Esav. Jacob's brother, Esav, tried to kill him. He said, oh, I'm going to take your firstborn ship. That already was the start. Jacob had to run away. He had to run away. And then he had to marry. Uh, he got tricked into marrying the wrong wife. Then he married Rachel. If he would never have left and he never had to run away from his brother, he would have married one wife and would have had a family from that one. None of the story with Joseph would have happened. This whole chaos would never have happened. His name, you know what they called him? As soon as he interpreted the dreams for Pharaoh, do you know what they did? They changed his name. What did they call him? Tsofnat Paneach. They said, oh, you're the one when he was in Egypt and he managed to interpret the dream for Pharaoh. They said, we'll give you a new name. We'll call you Tsofnat Panech, a G- Egyptian name. And that's what they called him. Well, 
If they would have kept his original name, Joseph, his brothers would have recognized who he was straight away. And nothing would have happened. You realize? His brothers would have recognized straight away. But because they changed his name, just before his brothers came, that was already a reason for the whole story to continue. It, it goes from one thing to the next. Do you remember his mother, Rachel? She, the, the tomb of Rachel, anyone been in Israel? Right, she's not buried in the Ma'arat uh, in the in Hebron. She's buried in a separate place. Why is she buried? In, because she died early. So there's, the main reason why she died early is so that she could pray for the Jewish people and so on. But there's another reason. You know why she died early? Because that way she's not going to be around to save Joseph from his brothers. Joseph got thrown in the pit by his brothers. If his mom was around, she would have made sure that that didn't happen. It was because he didn't have his mom around that his brothers took advantage. If she was around, Rachel would have had none of it. She, she, wouldn't have, she would have told him, don't listen to your father. His father, Jacob, said, go and get your brothers. She would have told his father, Jacob, his brothers are, are being hurtful to him. Don't, don't send him. Joseph said, Hineni, I'm here, Dad. I'm going to go to my... You, yes, he knew his brothers were angry with him. And he said, here I am, Dad. I'm going. And he goes to his brothers. And because he listened to his father, he gets thrown in the pit. Every single course of event that happened with Joseph is a series of events that eventually led to him becoming the leader of the people. He was thrown into a caravan. He was sold. Well, if they would have decided to not sell him, that, would have, that wouldn't have worked. Then they wouldn't have been saved. Every single aspect. When he goes to Egypt, he smelled good. One of the reasons he smelled good was when he arrived, he was a good, he was a good sale. This young man looks good and also smells good. It wasn't easy to smell good back in that day. But this guy smelled good. He spent a whole journey in a caravan which was filled with spices. So he smelled really good. And then he got taken by a specific person who was a very important man called Potiphar. Oh, he was taken. Do you know why? Because his wife of Potiphar was going to pursue him and chase after Joseph. So his wife chased after him, trying to be with him. And eventually Joseph runs away, but gets accused of, falsely accused of trying to um, harass uh, Potiphar's wife. And he gets accused of it and he gets taken to a prison. But not just any prison, the prison of the king. The main prison, the worst prison, the Alcatraz. The worst prison that you can imagine. And whilst he's in prison, he sees another... Do you realize if he wouldn't have gone to prison, if that wife of Potiphar wouldn't have chased him and he wouldn't have ended up in prison, this whole story, he would have just been a slave for the rest of his life. And then the Pharaoh has a dream these dreams that he happens to say, oh, wait a second, let me find someone to interpret this dream. I have no one to interpret this dream. And who does he think of? Who does he meet? He meets the guy that he threw into prison, the baker and the butler. The, the baker he kills, the butler he keeps alive, and the butler comes and he says, listen, you uh, threw uh, there's this guy, you threw me in the prison, and there's another guy there who knows how to interpret dreams. Right? If this baker wouldn't have ended up in that prison, you know what happened, right, with the baker and the butler? I mentioned it last week. 
The butler had a cup of wine and there was a fly in it. He serves it to Pharaoh. Pharaoh sees the fly in the wine and he says, How dare he? How dare he, th- he serve me wine with a fly in it? And he sends him to the highest prison. It says, He got angry. You know why he got angry? Because God made him angry. If he would have decided, Pharaoh could have easily had a great day that day. It happened to be he had a bad day. And on that bad day, he got extremely angry with his butler and threw him in prison. Threw him in prison, exactly the same prison that Joseph's in. Oh, he happens to meet Joseph. And then Joseph interprets his dream, which eventually leads to him being free. You see, that it, it doesn't end. If you look at the story, it's a vav after a vav after a vav after a vav. Meaning, when I say vav, it means everything's interconnected. So what's the message? You know, when we learn the stories of the Torah, it's not a story that happened then. It's called Ma'aseh Avot Siman Lebanim. The stories of our fathers is a sign for us. It's a sign for the children. Ma'aseh Avot, it's a Talmudical term, Siman Lebanim. The story of our fathers is a sign for our children, for us. It's a sign for us. What's the sign for us? I'll tell you what it is. That that's the way that we are meant to study our life. This is what it says in Tehillim. Me Hashem mitzadei gavel. Hashem, He is the one that establishes your footsteps. He He makes every footstep that you have. How can we understand every footstep that we do? But Hashem does. Hashem establishes each footstep that you make and has it put in exactly the same path, the perfect path that it's meant to be on. A wealthy person, right? What does a wealthy person say? Oh, lifts his feet up and he says, I made it. My business went well. My company's doing great. I'm making the big bucks. Finally, he's chilled. Ah, life is amazing. That's what the what does the what does it say in Proverbs? Listen to this. A wise person, in his own eyes, says he is he's wealthy. A wealthy person thinks he's wise in his own eyes. I am the one who's so smart and made all this money. I'm the one who made it. I'm the one. Right? In his own eyes, he thinks, a wise person thinks, he made his wealth. But what does a poor person think? He, actually, a poor person is like, I don't know how I got this bread today. It's unbelievable. Right? Hello, Pamela. Hello, Ashley. And hello, Ben. A poor person. Welcome, welcome. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. Unbelievable. <laughs> Love the pink mask. All right. <laughs> awesome. So what does a wealthy person say? A wealthy person says, I made all my money. I made my success. I, I'm the wise one. The, wa- the poor person says, I don't know how I got this loaf of bread today. It's unbelievable. How did I get this loaf of bread? So who's the one that's thinking better? The poor person. Why does the wealthy person not think that way? And the answer is because he's not looking at the series of events that led him to his wealth. If you would look at all the series of events that lead you to that moment, boom, you will never think that way. 
But it's because we ignore all the perfect fine-tuned moments that got me to this minute that made me all my wealth. I think, oh, it's me. It's my wisdom. It's my, I can even write a book. Everyone who makes some money has the right to write a book. I can write a book on how I made my wealth. Although there's many people that tried exactly your policy and never succeeded. So I don't know. It's not you. That's the point, right? It's not you. It says, Bread doesn't belong to a wise person. It's not you who makes the money. So how does God work? He works in a hidden way. If Hashem would be revealed to us all the time, miraculously, and we'd see him every two minutes, in every single way, obviously, then we wouldn't be tested. It wouldn't be a human world. It wouldn't be a real world. So the real world is a world where it's It used to be that there was miracles, but we're not on the high level to cope with miracles. We understand that if we were today able to see great miracles, some people ask me, if at Mount Sinai in Hal Sinai they saw God, fine, great. So why... So they, they, they make sense. Like they, they got connected. But what about us? What about me? I, can I not have that revelation like they had? The answer is if we would have that revelation, there would be a lot that's demanded of us. We would have to be very, very well behaved. The more revelation there is of Hashem, the more demanding of you to be better behaved. We wouldn't be able to cope with it. So God works in a hidden way. He hides himself from us. That's how we, that's how we understand. It, it's no way, there's no physical way of seeing him. How does he work? In a way of hester panim. His face is hidden and that's where his face is at. You want to see God? I'll tell you how you see Hashem. Look at the hiddenness of events that happen in your life. Look at the course of events that happen in your life and you will see God clearly. Why did you not get into that job? Why did this job not make you money? Why did this job, uh, why did this person not accept you? Why did this person accept you? You know, the older a person becomes, the more required you are to connect the dots of your life. The more responsibility you have to connect those dots. Somebody who hits 50, 60, needs to have spent 5, 10 minutes at least thinking about all the courses of events of why he ended up in the country that he lives in why his job is the job that he has, why it perfectly worked out in that way, and that it's no coincidence at all. That's the job of every single person. We have to do this. It's really, really important. This is actually a mitzvah in the Torah. The Rabbeinu Yonah says that this is one of the mitzvot in the Torah, which is to remember the whole way which Hashem took you on. This is talking about when we left, when we were in the desert, but it refers to all of us in our life. We have to all remember the path that we were on, that we were taken on. He says to the Jewish people, you have to remember the whole path that you were on whilst you were in the desert for 40 years. And we have to also remember the whole path we went on. Why is it that suddenly in our life COVID came? And what did I gain from COVID? And why is it that some people uh, lost the job? Well, I don't know yet, but when I reach 50, 60, I can look back and connect dots. 
Listen to these words. Do you know who was a wise person and remembers all? Somebody who contemplates about the kindness of Hashem. What does it mean to contemplate about the kindness of Hashem? The commentaries explain. This is a Psalms, Psalms 107. A wise person contemplates the chesed, the kindness of Hashem. What does that mean? It means somebody who's wise, who has who wants wisdom in his mind, Yishmor Ele constantly remembers causes of events that happens in his life. And that will bring him tremendous wonders to understand the hashkacha of Hashem, the way that God works. And through that, through looking at all the courses of events and remembering them and taking note of them, you'll realize how kind Hashem is to you. That this world is not random. Only everything works with the kindness of Hashem and with His watching over us. This entire world works in a way of kindness, on the kindness of Hashem and Him watching over us, and it's not random. That's a wise person. Okay, let me look at myself. Okay, I look at myself because that's my story. Um, whenever I connect the dots, I have a great, a great day. There's days where me, me and Shira sit together and we connect dots and we're like, you know, it worked out. It's so amazing that we met this person. And because we met this person, this worked out. And when we do that, we feel great. This is a work that we're meant to be doing in our lifetime. And it's a great reward for somebody who does this. If I look back at my life, I, when, I, um, when I met Shira the first time, I was saying to her, I don't know, I've, I think I need to start working and leave Yeshiva. I love my learning and everything, but you know, financially, I don't see how we can get married and, and me continue studying Torah. Um, I don't see it. There's too much uh, investment in learning. And I don't see how this is going to... And Shira's like, no, we could do this. I think that it's possible. It's totally doable. And it was perfect. The timing that I met Shira was perfect because it was exactly in that time where I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm done. I'm going, I'm going to start working. And um, I was going to work in technology in a certain start studying something and get, get go into work. And exactly at that time, I met Shira. And Shira was like, no, we can do this. And it kind of twist, changed everything. But it was perfect timing. And if that didn't work out, I would never have met you. If, I, if that perfect timing. And why did I meet Shira at that time? Because a cousin of mine um, was the one that already told my family that we got to do something. She, Shira is amazing for Jack. And my sisters said, yeah, you know, she is. And they pushed for it. And it happened to be that Shira was coming uh, two days just in a period of time, which was perfect because I was going to Israel. She was coming to England. And in those one day, there was like two or three days. There was like literally a window of short time where we could have met. And we met during those three days. Everything happened perfectly. If it would have happened a bit later, I wouldn't have maybe gone. I would have gone to a different world. Like I would, it didn't, it did, Everything worked out perfectly in a system that can't be described. It's really amazing. And, you know, I, I think about so much more. There's, I mean, there's so much more coincidences that you go along. Like, who brought me to the moment that I was 
the person that I am, you know, uh, who took me, you know, there was an event that happened in my life where I, I went through, I went through in a car crash and um, I was on a bike. The car went into me and I went head first into a windshield, smashed the head windshield of the car, but I was wearing a helmet, so I was fine. I went to the hospital, broke my shoulder, but it was a traumatic experience. I was 16. I, I was passed out, completely passed out. The car was completely totaled. That experience that happened to me when I was 16 made me think differently in life. It made me think, wait, life is quite fragile. And it changed the way I was as a teenager. And it made me commit to making life a bit more serious during those critical years when in your, as a teenager, if you mess around, you know, it can have a huge impact in your future. It's the seeded time for your future. So everything that happened in my story, everything, it's perfect. We got our job. So, you know, me and Shira, we, 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 and Shira could speak as well. We came to Israel and we, st- we continued. We stayed there for another few years. And then there was no reason for us. We, we had this really cool opportunity in England. So we went to see this great job in England. And there was no reason but the, why they didn't want us. They took someone else who was, I, I, you know, I was like, what? We can, we got this thing. Me and Shira got this thing. We're, we're relatable. We can work with young people. We're going to make a really big difference. This was in London. So we got this job offer in London. And they didn't take us. They took someone else. And I'm like, no, this is the best job. Why? Why did they not take us? And then look where we are. Do you know what number kid I am? My, we have eight kids in my family. What number am I? Last. I'm seventh. I always tell my mom, mom, if you, I just can't get over it. Every day I think about this. Mom, I'm seventh kid. If you would have decided that's it, I'm done, I wouldn't be here. You all would not have met me if not for my mom making that decision to have another kid. That's such a selfless thing of you, mom. I've told that to her. And she likes it, obviously. But it's true. Do you not agree with me? It's crazy. Seventh kid, she had all the reasons not to have another kid. Come on, seventh kid. But no, she had another one, and that's why I'm here. So I'm talking to you all now because of that decision. Do you want want me to keep going? I mean, there's thousands of series of events that brought me to this moment where I'm sitting in front of you. And it's a great joy if somebody does this. We need to ask yourself, and you need to ask yourself, why am I sitting right here where I am right now? What are the series of coincidences that brought me to this moment? What were all my failures? I'll tell you why this is so important. You know why this is important? Because it's the key to your success. Besides for the faith that it gives you and the emunah it gives you, it's the key to your success in life. Because everything in life is done blindly. You, you take on a job. You take on a new project. You invest money. You don't know how it's going to evolve. You don't know how this is going to lead. You don't know how things are going to go from there. You, you just don't know. So you take, you jump in. How, how can you jump into situations that you don't even know how it's going to go from there? You find somebody you like. You take on marriage. No matter how much you know about this person, taking on a marriage with someone is a leap of faith. Do you know how many leaps of faith you're going to take in your life? We all take leaps of There's no way. Everything you do... There's a tremendous point where you just don't know and you still go forward. Otherwise, you're not going to succeed. You can't just sit in your couch all day worrying, how is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? You just got to move. 
So we move along in life, but you want to be successful. Here's the way. It's to have a sense of recognizing that everything that happened till now is a proof that what's going to happen in the future is going to continue to be okay. Because if I keep looking at all the series of events that happen in my life and I say, this wasn't a coincidence. The fact that I lost the job there was perfect so I can get a job here. And this wasn't a coincidence because the fact that my parents were annoying to me then meant that I'm better here and I was better to move out and it made it perfect for me to move into another house. And that that series of events worked out perfectly. So thank God for my annoying parents that made me move, right, let's say. And then, you know, every series of events that happened in your life that got you to this moment can help you in your future by the way you think of the future, that everything's going to be okay. It's the, Listen to this statement, okay? This is a statement by Rabbi Sachs, Rabbi Jonathan, Jonathan Sachs, Zichonol Lebracha, may his memory be a blessing, a great, great rabbi that passed away just recently. Listen to his quote. He says, optimism is the belief that things are going to get better. You're optimistic. You believe that things are going to get better. Hope, however, is the belief that we can make things better. Optimism, optimism is a passive virtue. Hope is an active one. It's the actual belief, active belief that I think, right? It takes no courage to be an optimist, but it does need courage to hope. And the question is, how do you gain hope? How do you hope? How do you have somebody who's in a difficult situation, whatever it is, and has hope that things are going to be fine? Not just optimistic. I believe, I know it's going to be fine. How do you get hope? By fulfilling this mitzvah that we're talking about. That's how you get hope. By fulfilling this mitzvah. What's this mitzvah? Connecting the dots of your life. When you are able to connect the dots of your life, you will have hope that things are going to be successful in the future. Why was it that till now I lost this thing? Why was it that it was perfectly done this way? Why was it that uh, I was born in LA? Why was it all my circumstances? We have to find and constantly look for those coincidences and how it's fine-tuned. Whatever, even the smallest thing. I walk into a restaurant and I met my friend. I've not met him for two years. How come you're... It's amazing. We met each other at the same time. I can't believe we met each other at the same time. How did it work out? That need, that's, that's the right way of thinking. It's finding, seeing everything as a miracle as opposed to seeing everything as just a random occurrence. That is the key to your future and the key to your life as well. We actually understand that when a person passes away, there will be a great revelation of all of this. It says that immediately after a person passes away, we spoke a few weeks ago about what happens when a person dies, a whole series of events that happens to a person when he passes away. But one of the things that we know that we know that happens to a person when he passes away is he sees a vision of his entire life. Your entire life comes clear to you, not just a a vision. Absolute clarity of all the series of events. And it's a tremendous moment where you're filled with like, wow, there was so much kindness in my life. So many coincidences, perfectly fine-tuned. Oh my goodness, that COVID-19 year of 2020. That year 
right? This is the thought that will happen to you. That year, it was amazingly perfectly done for me. It was so fine-tuned for me. Look how it made everything fall into place three years after. This is the dream that you're going to be having when you leave this world. You're going to look at every single series of events that you may have cursed out, that you may have said, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. You're going to look at those in the future and say, oh, that was the biggest gift ever. And you might not see it fully in this world, but you will for sure see it in the world to come. And the aim is to try and see it. That's the wisdom. That's what it says. Someone who's smart, someone who's wise, will always remember the series of events that happens to him. Take note of even the bad things that happen to you. And you'll start seeing and contemplating the kindness that Hashem is doing for you. You will start seeing miracles. You've got to just take note. You know, this is actually a mitzvah that the Talmud says that there was a rabbi. Every night before he would go to sleep, this is a higher level, obviously, he would take note of all the events that happened that day. I think it's Rabbi Zera. One of the rabbis will take note of all the events that happened to him that day. Every night. And the next night, anything that happened that day, he'd write a note of. And eventually, he would see a series of events. He'd see an amazing movie. Drama. Suddenly it goes down. Then it comes back up. Then he succeeded. Then he made the money. Then he lost it. Wow, this is amazing. Look. And he says to himself, wait a second, I'm not afraid of life anymore. I'm not afraid of the future. By the way, that's maturity. Maturity is somebody who reaches a certain age and he's able to completely be calm even if he knows, you know, I've got, I've got this whole family to look after, but, you know, it's, it's all going to be fine. It's totally... And somebody else is like, what do you mean it's going to be fine? How are you so chill? It's going to be fine. I know that this person lost his job and he's got a whole family to look after. But at a certain point in your life, you realize all the series of events were miraculous as is anyway. So the future is also going to be a miracle. The same way I manage till now is the same way I'm going to manage in the future. That's what a poor person versus a wealthy person. The wealthy person, this is the challenge of the wealthy, by the way, says to himself, I did all of this. The, person, the poor person sees every piece of bread that he earns as a novelty. I can't believe I just earned this. I can't believe I just found this bread. I can't believe I found this bread. So we've got to be wealthy with a poor mindset. That's what you want to do. Be wealthy because you are. You have food. You have light. You have warmth. You're not in the streets. You you have a home to live in. You, we're all very wealthy, very successful. So be wealthy, but also have a poor man's mindset, which is, Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I have fresh vegetables in my fridge. It's just insane. Have the wealth, but also have the poor man's mindset. How do you have that poor man's mindset? And the answer is by looking at life and never ignoring the coincidences that happened. I don't know if anything bad, tremendously bad happened to you, but those things you'll remember. Like the accident that I had, that I remember. So because of that, I put it into my map of dots. And it, f- it connects so well to so many other things because it's on my map. Do you know how many things I missed from my map? How many dots I forgot to put in of series of events that happened to me? But I just, I'm so busy with my life, I don't think of it. I should be. I'm not doing it right. I'm talking about myself. The aim of life is to be a Joseph. 
What is that? To see God in every series of events that happens to you. That's the aim of life. He saw all of his series of events. Kind of like power and politics and like social media that I think COVID in a way got people to think inward and get away from all this like mess, even though like 100%. news and stuff just makes people go insane. Is the moment you turn on the news, like five minutes later, you think the world's going to end. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh my God, like we're going to war with China and China's, I don't know, blah, 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 and COVID spreading everywhere. Exactly. And then you realize that you wake up tomorrow and you're alive. You know, <laughs> obviously not for, yeah, I understand some people went through COVID, but yeah, I think that's, that's the positives in some way. It is. It is. And that's the correct way of thinking. And even those that, you know, even the bad events that happen, this is important to understand, that also is part of a plan, you know? Right. Uh, the bad series of events that happen to us are also part of a plan, as well as the good ones. Not only the good ones are perfectly fine-tuned, but even the bad ones are perfectly fine-tuned. And it's all a chesed. It's all the kindness. Rav Noach Weinberg, who founded Aish, he was very, very sick, barely breathing. And... Um, and uh, he, before he passes away, just a few days before he passes away, he, one of his students says, I think it's his son actually, he says, Abba, why, why, why are you suffering like this? He says, quiet. He slaps him half, half like, you know, barely able to move. He slaps him. He says, quiet. It's all love. It's all love. He starts slapping him. A few days later, he passed away. Wow. That was, that was the words that he said. It's all Hashem's love. It's all love. It's all chesed. In his pain, he says to his son, it's all love. It's all love. It takes tremendous... that You don't get that straight away. Mm -hmm. It takes a lifetime of work of seeing the events in your life as chesed to be able to come and see that last moments of your life also as chesed. Wow. So now, and look back. Of the, right, it's, a, it's, a, it's a work. It's a life work to be able to do that. But he did it. It's one of the great things he did. Is that, is that what you think? Sorry, I'll let other people talk, but is that what you think? Like you think at every moment it's like it's all about love? Or not always about love, but we don't see it. Love. We don't see it. Right. But everything is for the good. Gamzulatova, that's the teaching of Gamzulatova. That Kolmanda Avid Avid, everything that happens in this world is for the good. And the reason why that we believe that, that's a very important faith in Judaism. Uh, we we believe that traditionally because God doesn't give doesn't take He's only giving he, He's infinite and since He's an infinite being only permeating only giving then there's no reason that we should suffer there's absolutely no reason that we should suffer because He only wants to give to us so the the only reason why we are suffering is so that to enable us to receive the good that we're able to receive. My example always is the vessel. You know, a, a, a in order to strengthen a vessel, you need to put it into some to purify. It. You need to put it in a fire. You need to go. It needs to go through a process of cleaning, right? But that process of cleaning can be painful sometimes, and that's how we look at life as well. Not that you have to suffer in order to um, to be. We don't want suffering, but the challenges that you go through are the keys to your muscles and strength. 
they are the ones that build you. And without it, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be who you are. You wouldn't be as great as you are. It's the challenges that make us. That's a faith that we have. That everything that happens in this world, when God created the world, it says he saw everything was good. He didn't just see then it was good, according to Jewish tradition. He saw throughout history, past, present, and future. We have the inability to see the future. So we don't see the, the whole picture of the series of events. We see only now. It says, Uksil A fool, we say this on Shabbat, a fool always says, I don't understand this. And what does a wise person say? Wait, don't just look at this. Why are you looking at this? Wait, let me explain to you. Okay? If you're Israeli. Right? Let me explain to you. Right? It's not just this. There's a bigger picture here. First, it, right, let's say, I don't know, Jonathan, you do websites and stuff, right? Uh, let's say uh, marketing. So somebody says, no, but I want this. I want this. And you tell them, no, you can't just have this. There's a bigger picture here. You need first to build the site this way. You need to market yourself differently this way. You need to, ha- you need to have a whole package. You can't just have this. No, but I want this. Right. The fool always points his finger at this. And he says, this, this, this. And you're like, wait, just let me explain. No, but this, this. You're like, dude, let me just explain to you the bigger picture. No, this, this. Right? That's the fool. The fool always focuses on one specific aspect. Can't look at a bigger picture. And we, are, we are the greatest fools in terms of understanding past, present, and future. We don't know what happened in all of past, and we don't know what happens is going to happen in all of future. All we know is at the present. Even the present we don't know properly. So when it comes to us saying, I don't understand this, that's exil. Also in the world that we live in. Trying to understand specific moments that happen in our lives saying oh, i want to know this i want to know this Ksil. that's a foolish way of thinking the smart way of thinking is there's a bigger picture here i only see a part of the puzzle i know there's more puzzle pieces it's also somebody who builds a puzzle it's like building a puzzle what happens to some people that build a puzzle they say no but this piece must go with another piece i'm gonna find the partner of this piece and you tell him, okay, listen, there's, there's a thousand-piece puzzle. It's not easy to find just specifically that piece. Put any other piece that you see that goes with another piece. Put that together. Make a bunch of little puzzles. Don't just focus on one square. Oh, I made five pieces here, so I'm going to continue trying to find another piece for these five. That's not how you make a puzzle. Not a thousand-piece puzzle. A thousand piece puzzle, what you do is you find one piece that goes with this, then you find another piece that goes with this, so you make another group here. Oh, there's another piece that goes there, you make another group here. There's another, you make another group here. You start having tens, 20 groups of puzzles. And suddenly you're like, whoa, whoa, hey, this whole map goes together with this one. And this one goes together with that one. The fool says, oh, I have one piece of, I have one piece of, 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 of puzzle. I want all the pieces to be developed from this piece. <laughs> you can't do that. I'm going to go buy a puzzle piece tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's how you do it. You want to know how to build a puzzle. It's You buy, you, you, you build pieces through many, you make many puzzles and eventually p- combine them as one. The best way to build a puzzle. 
But that's, uh, that's really the idea. That's why we say this, by the way, on Shabbat. What does it say by Jews? By us, we're, we're told to say, Ashrei ha'am shekachalo. Happy are the people that say, this is the way it's meant to be. I don't know the full picture, but I believe that this is the way it's meant to be. That's, by the way, the difference between an optimist and a person that hopes. An optimist just says, yeah, it's all good, it's all good. It doesn't mean he's positive. He's talking positive. That's nice, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. But you're just talking words. It's like somebody who's really depressed and you you have someone who's optimistic. Yeah, man, it's going to be fine. Yeah, but you're not... You're not doing anything. You just, you know, you're just being optimistic, but you're not, you're not giving hope. There's, there's optimism and there's hope as well. It's two different things, and you want hope. Hope is an active. That's such a powerful def- de- definition that he has there. Hope is an active uh, aspect of mine where I'm actually believing. It's an active job. It's not just an idea. It's actually active where I believe that. This will be okay. I truly believe this is going to be okay. How do I get to an active? It's not just a belief. Optimism is, is just it, optimism is just an idea. It's just being positive blindly. Hope is an active thing. I really truly believe it's going to be fine. How do I get to such a stage where I truly believe it's going to be fine? How do I get to that? It's simple. I tell you why. You look at the past events of your life. You look at the series of events that happened in your life. You see how everything is so finely tuned. It's so perfect. There's so much kindness that happened in your life till now. Now I can have hope for the future. You won't have hope for the future if you don't look at the past. How do you look at the past? By seeing series of events and seeing them not as a coincidence. But as a plan. A perfectly planned, made plan. It takes work can't just have hope. It's easy to be an optimist. It's hard to be a hoper. And you can be a hoper if you look at your past in a way where it didn't just happen. It actually was perfectly fine-tuned. Oh, wow. I was born in this way. I was given this thing. I was, you know, I was hyperactive in school, but that led me to getting the job early and leaving school early. And I didn't go to stay in school, right? That could be. I've heard someone say that. That's called hope. I see my past. Now I can see in the future that something good is going to come out of this. People think you just hope or you just believe. Like these blind Jews, they just believe. It's not like that at all. It's very active. Belief is a very active force that you have. It's an action. It's not just a blind idea. It's a real physical action that you're doing. Do, do you get what I'm saying? It's optimism is just an idea. Belief is a, th- a thing that I'm actively doing constantly. I'm saying this will be fine because I've seen it happen till now. I've seen series of events happen till now in such a way that was so fine-tuned. I know this is going to continue. That's, that takes, do you understand how that's active? Because I'm actively thinking of all my past. And I'm actively seeing the past and I'm seeing how it's going to, the series of events are going to just continue. And that's, that's an active work. For Rav Nach Weinberg, before he passes away, to say, ah, it's all quiet, it's all love, it's all love. That's an active 
force. It's not just the belief that he had or optimism. It's an active power, which he he's he's using all of his past experiences to empower himself for his current experience. Anyway, that's me being very passionate about faith. So who do we have? Uh, oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Alison. All right, I guess we'll finish that. Kind of like power and politics and like social media that I think COVID in a way got people to think inward and get away from all this like mess, even though like 100%. news and stuff just makes people go insane. Is the moment you turn on the news, like five minutes later, you think the world's going to end. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh my God, like we're going to war with China and China's, I don't know, blah, 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 and COVID's spreading everywhere. Exactly. And then you realize that you wake up tomorrow and you're alive. You know, <laughs> obviously not for, yeah, I understand some people went through COVID, but yeah, I think that's, that's the positives in some way. It is. It is. And that's the correct way of thinking. And even those that, you know, even the bad events that happen, this is important to understand, that also is part of a plan, you know? Right. Uh, the bad series of events that happen to us are also part of a plan, as well as the good ones. Not only the good ones are perfectly fine-tuned, but even the bad ones are perfectly fine-tuned. And it's all a chesed. It's all the kindness. Rav Noach Weinberg, who founded Aish, he was very, very sick, barely breathing. And... Um, and uh, he, before he passes away, just a few days before he passes away, he, one of his students says, I think it's his son actually, he says, Abba, why, why, why are you suffering like this? He says, quiet. He slaps him half, half like, you know, barely able to move. He slaps him. He says, quiet. It's all love. It's all love. He starts slapping him. A few days later, he passed away. Wow. That was, that was the words that he said. It's all Hashem's love. It's all love. It's all chesed. In his pain, he says to his son, it's all love. It's all love. It takes tremendous... That You don't get that straight away. Mm-hmm. It takes a w- lifetime of work of seeing the events in your life as chesed to be able to come and see that last moments of your life also as chesed. Wow. So now, and look back. Of the, right, it's a, it's, a, it's a work. It's a life work to be able to do that. But he did it. It's one of the great things he did. Is that, is that what you think? Sorry, I'll let other people talk, but is that what you think? Like you think at every moment it's like it's all about love? Or not always about love. But we don't see it. Love. We don't see it. But right. everything is for the good. Gamzula Tova, that's the teaching of Gamzula Tova. That everything that happens in this world is for the good. And the reason why that we believe that, that's a very important faith in Judaism. Uh, we we believe that traditionally because God doesn't give doesn't take He's only giving he, He's infinite and since He's an infinite being only permeating only giving then there's no reason that we should suffer there's absolutely no reason that we should suffer because He only wants to give to us so the the only reason why we are suffering is so that to enable us to receive the good that we're able to receive. My example always is the vessel. You know, a, uh, uh, in order to strengthen a vessel, you need to put it into some 
to purify it. You need to put it in a fire. You need to go, it needs to go through a process of cleaning, right? But that process of cleaning can be painful sometimes. And that's how we look at life as well. Not that you have to suffer in order to, um, to be. We don't want suffering. But the challenges that you go through are the keys to your muscles and strength. They are the ones that build you. And without it, you wouldn't, you, know, you wouldn't be who you are. You wouldn't be as great as you are. It's the challenges that make us. That's a faith that we have. That everything that happens in this world, when God created the world, it says he saw everything was good. He didn't just see then it was good, according to the Jewish tradition. He saw throughout history, past, present, and future. We have the inability to see the future. So we don't see the, the whole picture of the series of events. We see only now. It says, Uksil A fool, we say this on Shabbat, a fool always says, I don't understand this. And what does a wise person say? Wait, don't just look at this. Why are you looking at this? Wait, let me explain to you. Okay? If you're Israeli. Right? Let me explain to you. Right? It's not just this. There's a bigger picture here. First, it, right, let's say, I don't know, Jonathan, you do websites and stuff, right? Uh, let's say uh, marketing. So somebody says, no, but I want this, I want this. And you tell them, no, you can't just have this. There's a bigger picture here. You need first to build the site this way. You need to market yourself differently this way. You need to, ha- you need to have a whole package. You can't just have this. No, but I want this. Uksil right? The fool always points his finger at this. And he says, this, this, this. And you're like, wait, just let me explain. No, but this, this. You're like, dude, let me just explain to you the bigger picture. No, this, this. Right? That's the fool. The fool always focuses on one specific aspect. Can't look at a bigger picture. we We are the greatest fools in terms of understanding past, present, and future. We don't know what happened in all of past, and we don't know what happens is going to happen in all of future. All we know is at the present. Even the present, we don't know properly. So when it comes to us saying, I don't understand this, that's exil. Also in the world that we live in, trying to understand specific moments that happen in our lives, saying, oh, I want to know this, I want to know this. Exil. That's a foolish way of thinking. The smart way of thinking is, there's a bigger picture here. I only see a part of the puzzle. I know there's more puzzle pieces. It's also somebody who builds a puzzle. It's like building a puzzle. What happens to some people that build a puzzle? They say, no, but this piece must go with another piece. I'm going to find the partner of this piece. And you tell him, okay, listen, there's, there's a thousand piece puzzle. It's not easy to find just specifically that piece. Put any other piece that you see that goes with another piece. Put that together. Make a bunch of little puzzles. Don't just focus on one square. Oh, I made five pieces here, so I'm going to continue trying to find another piece for these five. That's not how you make a puzzle. Not a thousand-piece puzzle. A thousand-piece puzzle, what you do is you find one piece that goes with this, then you find another piece that goes with this, so you make another group here. Oh, there's another piece that goes there, you make another group here. There's another, you make another group here. You start having tens, 20 groups of puzzles, and suddenly you're like, whoa, whoa, hey, this whole map goes together with this one. And this one goes together with that one. The fool says, 
Oh, I have one piece of I have one piece of of of, of puzzle. I want all the pieces to be developed from this piece. <laughs> you can't do that. I'm gonna go buy a puzzle piece tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's how you do it. You want to know how to build a puzzle? It's you buy you 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 build pieces through many. You make many puzzles and eventually combine them as one. The best way to build a puzzle. But that's uh, that's really the idea. That's why we say this, by the way, on Shabbat. What does it say by Jews? By us, we're, we're told to say, Ashrei ha'am shekachalo. Happy are the people that say, this is the way it's meant to be. I don't know the full picture, but I believe that this is the way it's meant to be. That's, by the way, the difference between an optimist and a person that hopes. An optimist just says, yeah, it's all good, it's all good. It doesn't mean he's positive. He's talking positive. That's nice. It's nice. Don't get me wrong. But you're just talking words. It's like somebody who's really depressed and you, you have someone who's optimistic. Yeah, man, it's going to be fine. Yeah, but you're not, you're not doing anything. You're just, you know, you're just being optimistic, but you're not, you're not giving hope. There's, there's optimism and there's hope as well. It's two different things. And you want hope. Hope is an active, that's such a powerful def- definition that he has there. Hope is an active uh, aspect of mine where I'm actually believing. It's an active job. It's not just an idea. It's actually active where I believe that this will be okay. I truly believe this is going to be okay. How do I get to an active? It's not just a belief. Optimism is, is just, it, optimism is just an idea. It's just being positive blindly. Hope is an active thing. I really, truly believe it's going to be fine. How do I get to such a stage where I truly believe it's going to be fine? How do I get to that? It's simple. I tell you what, you look at the past events of your life. You look at the series of events that happened in your life. You see how everything is so finely tuned. It's so perfect. There's so much kindness that happened in your life till now. Now I can have hope for the future. You won't have hope for the future if you don't look at the past. How do you look at the past? By seeing series of events and seeing them not as a coincidence, but as a plan, a perfectly planned, made plan. It takes work. You can't just have hope. It's easy to be an optimist. It's hard to be a hoper. And you can be a hoper if you look at your past in a way where it didn't just happen. It actually was perfectly fine-tuned. Oh, wow, I was born in this way. I was given this thing. I was, you know, I was hyperactive in school, but that led me to getting the job early and leaving school early, and I didn't go to stay in school, right? That could be. I've heard someone say that. That's called hope. I I see my past. Now I can see in the future that something good is going to come out of this. People think you just hope. Or you just believe. Like these blind Jews, they just believe. It's not like that at all. It's very active. Belief is a very active force that you have. It's an action. It's not just a blind idea. It's a real physical action that you're doing. Do, do you get what I'm saying? It's Optimism is just an idea. Belief is a, th- a thing that I'm actively doing constantly. I'm saying this will be fine because I've seen it happen till now. 
I've seen series of events happen till now in such a way that was so fine-tuned. I know this is going to continue. That's, that takes, do you understand how that's active? Because I'm actively thinking of all my past. And I'm actively seeing the past and I'm seeing how it's going to, the series of events are going to just continue. That's, that's an active work. For Rav Nach Weinberg, before he passes away, to say, ah, it's all quiet, it's all love, it's all love. That's an active force. It's not just the belief that he had or optimism. It's an active power which he, he's, he's using all of his past experiences to empower himself for his current experience. Anyway, that's me being very passionate about faith. So who do we have? Uh, oh. oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Alison. All right. I guess we'll finish there.